So, so five principles, crossing over is about five principles for Christian le- uh, living, okay, that, that, that apply at all times in our lives. And here's the first one we covered last week. No, not that one. The first one we covered last week. I set you up for failure. I did. I know, I know. I love you. Um, she's, she's working hard. Uh, the, the first one, I did that to Paul last week, by the way, same exact thing. Here's the first one. He put it up on the screen. Uh, the first principle we covered last week was this truth, that God wants us to follow his leading. Right? God wants us to follow his leading. Our God is a leader. And, and so he said, basically, um, our God lovingly leads his children into places that he provides for them. And, and, uh, and that, that's that great truth. But because he loves us, he doesn't actually force us to follow. He doesn't push us into those situations. Rather, he gives us the choice, uh, that option to whether or not follow. But we, we, we close by saying those that are faithful and choose to follow God where he's leading them, uh, they receive the blessing of God. And we looked, at it, of course, at the story of the Israelites as they came all the way up to the promised land and, uh, and, and God gave them that opportunity to cross over and they chose not to. And, uh, and, and we looked at all the results of that. And so uh, that was last week. Now this week, our truth that we're going to focus on, sissy, there we go. God wants us to experience abundant fruit. God wants us to experience abundant fruit. And I'm going to break that down in, in three ways. And, and here's the first thing that I want you to see this morning, okay? Guys, God um, doesn't save us so that we can wander through the wilderness of life, right? God doesn't save us so that we can wander through the wilderness of life. And so last week, and we want to encourage you, if you missed last week, just go onto the website, uh, fbcelgin.org, go under sermons, and there's a whole series there called Crossing Over, and you can listen to it. But recap the whole history of Israel is what we did uh, in the first point, and it, which is a lot. But we, let's just take you this morning to the point, you know, we have Abraham, Isaac, uh, and then Isaac has Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob has many sons. One of those is Joseph, ends up eventually getting sold into slavery. He becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man, okay? When he's there, uh, and his family comes over, remember, he, he sends for his family, they're reconciled, uh, and that that was all God's leading. God, you know, he says, God is the one that put me here to save you guys. The great famine strikes the land, so his family comes to buy grain. Uh, Egypt is the only place that has it, reconciles the family. Well, he ends up moving his whole family to Egypt, right, where the Bible says the Jews uh, really listened to God's command, and they were fruitful, and they multiplied. I mean, they really mo- So many Jews that they actually outnumbered the Egyptians. So the Pharaoh that was kind to Joseph dies. A new Pharaoh takes over, and he says, you know what? There's so many Jews that we're going to have a problem. They're going to realize there's, there's more of them than us. They're going to try to take over our country, so we're going to make them our slaves. So that's what they did. They made them their slaves, and, and, and they worked them tirelessly. They worked them harshly. Um, and, and that's when God's children began to cry out, and they cried out for a deliverer, and God sends them Moses. Now, we kind of recapped most of that last week. So here's my question for you this morning. Why? Why did God choose to, to come and deliver them? Okay? And that's what I want to show you. Exodus 3, 7 and 8 actually tells us why. Right? It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Um, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land into a good, spacious land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So according to those two verses, there's four reasons that God chose to hear the cry of the Israelites and to rescue them. Number one, because they're his children. Children, right? God loves them and they're his children. So, so God, I've heard the cry of my children, my children, he says, right? Two, uh, because they needed rescuing. 
They needed rescuing. They, they were slaves to Pharaoh. There was no way that they could break free on their own and, and by themselves. They needed a rescuer, so God chose to intervene. He himself, verse 8, steps down to do that. Um, we thought it was Moses. It was actually God. God stepped down to deliver his children. And then uh, number three, um, he did it to bring them to a spacious land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. God did it to bring his children to a place of abundance. That's what God wanted for him. He didn't want slavery for him. He didn't want the wilderness for him. He actually wanted to take them to a place of abundance. And finally, he did it so they could worship him. And if you read through the rest of the book of Exodus, uh, like in verse 12 of chapter 3, it says, so they can worship me. 4.23, worship me. 7.16, worship me. 8.1, so they can worship me. 8.20, so they can worship me. 9.1, so they can worship me. 9.13, so they can worship me. 10.3, so they can worship me. God wanted to lead his children to a place of abundance. He wanted to set them free, take them to this great spacious place so that they could worship him. Okay, so kind of a big deal. So, uh, so God comes down, he does this thing. Now, where is he leading them? Does God deliver them from slavery in order to walk them into the wilderness? Is that, is that his destination? Is that the location, right? Is, is, that, is that where they bought the vacation pass for? Wilderness, anybody? Is that, was that God's goal? Was God's goal for them the wilderness, right? No, absolutely not. Was God's goal for them some place where, where provisions would be scarce and they just kind of scrape by? Was that the destination? Absolutely not. No, God didn't save them for scarce. God saved them for spacious. A spacious land that was overflowing with milk and honey. God saved them for this beautiful, spacious, abundant land that he had prepared for them. And friends, this is the message that we need to hear today. I believe with all my heart, this is the message we need. Because so many people in the church today heard a different gospel than that. If you're here today and and you heard a a gospel that was just about getting saved, or it was just about avoiding hell, or if it was just about deliverance from from death or the wages of death, which is sin. If that's the gospel that you heard, I'm so sorry because you only heard half the story. Like, like that is the power of the gospel, that we have eternal life. But, but that eternal life is not the only thing that Jesus died for. Jesus actually died so we could have abundant life now. Right now. Right here. It's a big deal. And friends, my fear as I look around at, at our landscape, our Christian landscape, I see so many brothers and sisters in the faith that, that all too often what I see in their life is still wilderness wandering. Still wilderness wandering. They're, they're saved but their life is far from spacious and abundant. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like they're saved, but, but if you were going to ask this brother or this sister, you know, how they're feeling, their response would be, well, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. They're kind of, I, I call it the ho-hum experience in life. That's kind of where they are. Everything's just, just kind of oh, okay. It, it seems, in all honesty, that they're wandering through life just waiting to die so that one day they can go to heaven, Right? Do you know people like that? I mean, they're really, they're miserable here. They're just waiting for heaven one day. And that's so sad to me because, again, that's only half the gospel. God did not come to deliver us. He didn't come to save us so that we could just wander through this wilderness of life. That wasn't his intent, okay? So what was his intent? Brings us to the second point. Ready? God's goal for us, God's goal for our lives is Canaan. God's goal for our lives. So, so if, if we're not saved to wander through the wilderness of life, what on earth are we saved for? And the answer is we're saved for the same thing that the Israelites were saved for, which is Canaan. We are actually saved for the promised land, which, by the way, is a real place. 
It's a real place. Now, we're not safe to go there. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Can you guys say that with me? All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Okay. So when we talk about the Exodus, the Exodus that, that they're delivered from slavery to Pharaoh in Christ, there's a new Exodus, and we are delivered from slavery to sin, right? Sin into new Exodus, all of it points to Jesus, okay? So the same is true with the promised land. The promised land is actually, is actually a symbol. It was a real place. It really happened. God really designed it. But it was meant to point to the promised life that we can have in Christ, that's available in, in Christ Jesus, okay? And, and, and that's what I, I need you to, to see is, is that, that uh, God, remember last week, he lovingly leads us into places that he's prepared for us. God has prepared for us in Christ a beautiful, abundant place that he wants us to preside, okay? It's a beautiful, abundant place in Christ that he wants us to preside. And, 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 and when you think about it, I, I call this perfect abundance. Like, like abundant, this is perfect. And you may disagree with me, but, but think about the Garden of Eden for a moment. The Garden of Eden, I, I would describe that as perfect. Now, now was, was there the serpent there? Yeah, the serpent was there. So you may say, well, it's not perfect. The serpent's there. All of their needs were taken care of. Now, were there some problems? Yeah. Did they have to work there? Yeah, but, but it was abundant, right? You think about, about, about the, the promised land. There were giants there. There were problems there, but God was there. Fruit was there. It was abundant. It was, it was a beautiful. God had perfectly prepared them for it, and he's like, I'm going to go with you. Think about our life in Christ. Are there problems in our life in Christ? Right? Are, are, there, are you guys ever experiencing Anybody have a rough week? Right? Who, had, who had sickness like go through their house? Anybody have to treat a family member like they had the plague? I did, man. I did it in a heartbeat. I sealed them off with plastic. I wore gloves. No, I didn't really. But that would be, next time I'm doing that, I'm going to tape up the plastic thing and I'm going to get a hazmat suit and go, what do you want? That'd be awesome. Sometimes life is difficult, but, but here's the deal. It, it, it's still, it doesn't make that place any, any less perfect. God prepared for us in Christ a perfect place that we can experience abundance. So, so then the question then for us, if, you've, if you're not there, if you're not in that zip code right now, is how do we get that? Right? Because if you walked in today and you don't feel like your life is just full of abundant fruit and, 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 and life's not, you're just not killing it right now, how do you get to that point? That's my next question, right? Like, Jesus, if you say this is available to me, then how on earth do I get it? And, and so here's what I want to share with you. Okay, here's the third thing, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how this applies to us collectively. Number three, I want you to see this. When we, we, we get that life, by the way, when we follow Jesus closely. When we follow Jesus closely, we, we enter into Canaan where we lack nothing and our lives overflow with his fruit. Okay? When we follow Jesus closely, we enter into the promised life, uh, the, the Canaan lifestyle, where we lack nothing and our lives are overflowing with, with God's fruit. Okay, so, so what is Canaan for us? Because clearly it's not like a physical place that we have to move to the Middle East. Praise Jesus. I'm so thankful that we don't all have to move there to be like, well, you all guys have to relocate to here. We don't have to do that, okay, because everything points to Jesus. So this is about um, spiritual things that we find in Christ, okay? So, so what is it? The promised land is this picture of, of this life in Christ. And friends, this life is a life of, of abundance where, where we literally are overflowing with God himself. And because we're overflowing with God himself, we're overflowing with all of the fruit of his spirit. Okay, Think of it this way. Jesus said this, John 10.10. 10, right? He says, the thief comes. like That's his job. Let me talk about his job. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
Anybody have to deal with the thief this week? Anybody else? Like, I, I was like, come on, two people? Man, that's why you guys aren't in church. Y'all didn't have any spiritual warfare this week. We need more, more folks in. Anybody else have to deal with the thief this week? Anybody have to deal with the liar that we call the devil? Come on. Come on, raise your hand. Like, let, hold them up. Like, look around. See, you're not alone, okay? It's called life. So the thief comes to do that, to steal and to, to, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. Now, that word actually means abundantly. And in, in Greek, the picture that it paints is, is of an overflowing um, uh, glass or, or, or object, okay? So think of it this way. Go do this at lunch. Um, hopefully in your, well, don't do it in your own home. Go do it at a restaurant. That's fine. They'll have to clean it up. So get a pitcher of water and, and you put a cup there and you pour the water into the cup until it starts to overflow. And then you stop. And what you'll see is that the, the cup is actually full all the way to the top. And then there's actually, if you get down on its level, you'll see this bubble of water that rises above the rim. That's the word abundantly. That's the word abundantly. And that's the word that Jesus used. He says, listen, now, now this is hard for us because we live in a world that tells us that you can't even come close to this, okay? All right, so, so, so it's, we call this presuppositions. We all have things about life we've been programmed to believe. You have been programmed to believe, whether you knew it or not, that you could only have a life that was about halfway full, right? I mean, I mean let's think of it. In our world, you're either an optimist or a pessimist, right? So if you're an optimist, the glass is half full, right? But if you're a pessimist, the glass is half empty. Either way, you only have half a glass. You notice it? Our world says you can only have half a glass. That's it. That's, that's like your limit. So, so you can think it's half full or half empty. It doesn't matter. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. In me, you get it all the way full and then some. Like there's bonus available, okay? And so he says, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And the great abundance of God, that, that's the promise of God that, that we, can, we can enter into. And we talked about this last week. How do we get it? How do we get it? How do we get the promises of God? Ready? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you hope in a future. And we say, yes, Lord, I want that. Yes, I want that kind of future. How do you get it? He says, you seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And we said that second seek is a Hebrew word that means to what? To follow. To follow. We get the great things of God. We get the abundance of God. We get the fruit of God, friends, when we follow God closely. Not at a distance, but closely. Let me show you Galatians chapter 5. I told you to be there. Okay, turn with me. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to be in verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. It says this. It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. I, I need to clarify some things for you. In verse 16, when it says, so I say live by the spirit, it actually means walk in the spirit. Not walk with, walk in. Uh, some of your translations say, so I tell you, keep in step with the spirit of God. That's what it means. It means as God is walking, I'm walking. Like I'm walking. When God picks up his foot, I pick up my foot. When God picks, it, it's, this is the, the imagery of keeping in step with the spirit. So every time it uses the word live there, it actually means walk. It's talking about a very close following of the things of God. And I want you to see the result of this. It's found in verse 22. Now, if we don't do it, it says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Okay. Uh, but then you get up to verse 22. But it says, but if you do this, 
If you follow God this closely, look at what your life looks like. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law. I want you to see this. When we follow Jesus closely, we enter into the Canaan lifestyle When we are filled with God himself, and because we are filled with God, we're filled with his fruit. And guys, not just a little bit of it, okay? Anybody remember how the spies carried back the fruit from Canaan when they crossed back over? Anybody remember how they carried the fruit? Anybody? On poles. The fruit was so big that one guy couldn't carry it himself. He had to say, brother, I need you to get on the other end of this pole and help me carry this. And guys, that is the kind of life that is available to us in Christ. It's the kind of life that no matter what the world throws at us, we are so full of God that it can't phase us. All right? I want you to hear that. That's it's huge. Now, think about it with me in the first service. I had Chris and Peggy Smith sitting right here. Right, so, so Peggy has been diagnosed with a, with a terrible disease that all the doctors say is going to lead to death. It's a family in our church. And yet you see her and you see her attitude and you see her positivity and it makes you want to say, how can you be so positive in the midst of this? And I think she would tell you, because of the joy that I have in Christ, because I'm living, I'm dwelling in Canaan now. Right. And so she tells people like along the way, hey, listen, I I actually need a little bit of help. Could you get on the other end of my pole? (laughs) Because I got so much joy that I'm overflowing. Pastor, man, man, there's so many things going on in the church. Like there's so many unknowns There's so so much up in the air. Like, 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 how are you dealing with it? I mean, all the stress of that. I mean, you get some of this going on and that going on. And like, how how do you? Well, well, because when you dwell in Canaan, you got to ask a brother, say, hey, 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 hey. You don't come get on the other end of this pole because I've got so much peace. I need somebody to help me carry it. Because that's where I am. You see, when you walk this closely with the Lord, nothing in life can phase you, not even death itself. That is why the psalm, that's why David writes this, right? The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. When you walk with the Lord that closely, you experience the abundant fruit that God intends for you to have, and you lack nothing that life could add. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so the the first thing I wanted you to know when we got into this series uh, was I wanted you to understand that, that, that God, like, God wants us to follow his leading. The second thing I would say to you, just as Christians, is that God wants you to experience abundance. So before we talk about how this applies to us, I just want to speak to you individually right now. I just I want to ask you, like in your life, is that what's going on right now? Are, are, you, are you experiencing abundance or do you kind of feel like you're, you're a little parched and your lips are dry, like you've been wandering for a little bit? Because I need you to hear me, that is not God's goal for you. That doesn't mean, like, like, listen, abundant fruit doesn't mean that we won't have difficulty. It just means that we have so much God that difficulty doesn't phase us. Does that make sense? God has something better in store for you. And first and foremost, more than I care about a building or where we're going to end up, or what, that, what I care about first and foremost is your life in Jesus. God did not save you so you could wander around through the wilderness of life. 
He saved you. He delivered you on purpose so that you could experience his abundance and his blessing. Okay? That's huge. That's huge. So let's start there. Now, how on earth does that apply to our current situation and our building? Okay. So let me talk about that briefly. Last week, um, we, we kind of started this whole thing, and we showed you, you see those pretty pictures down there? They're really pretty. You can come by and look at them. We showed you these kind of 3D renderings. Um, those, those were kind of cool. And so uh, last week, we, we kind of uh, said, well, we feel like this is the first reason we need to do this because we want to follow God's leading. And so this week, I'm going to say the second thing to you uh, is, is truthfully, we believe that God has even more fruit in store for us than what we're currently experiencing. That's what we believe wholeheartedly. And, and so uh, I'm going to show you this picture because I promised this week we would take you inside of, of this building. And so I'm going to show you this picture. And uh, you can put on your readers or you can just look on the screen. So uh, here's a little blown up version of it for you on the screen. And so, uh, so this is the inside. And I'm going to get to this floor plan in a second. But before we can explain why we believe this to be uh, a place of, of abundance, we need to understand some things. So think through this with me. So we said last week, remember the Israelites, they didn't have the faith to cross over, but they did not lose God. God still provided for their needs. He still protected them. Remember, he still met with them like during worship. You remember all those things happened. So let me ask you this question, though. So think about, think about the Israelites while they're wandering because it was 40 years. Remember, there's a big timeout period. <laughs> Remember, God held all of the men that were old enough to fight the fight but chose not to. He held all of them accountable. They didn't get to cross over. He had to raise up a new generation of people that were, that were old enough of fighting age that they could fight the fight. And then he crossed over with Joshua leading them and Caleb by his side. Okay? So, so just, I want, you to, I want you to think through this. So while they were in the wilderness wandering, um, did they have food to eat? This is, we're participating. Did they have food to eat? Yes, they did. They always had food to eat. Okay, while they were wandering out into the wilderness, did they have a roof over their head? Yes, right? They had tents. They had tents. They, they built their own tents. Basically, they were camping for 40 years. <laughs> you've ever had children. I'll tell you what, I love camping, like some of that outdoor time, but when it's time to go to bed and we're all in that little location, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Nuh-uh. Four days, I'm done. I'm, I'm like a three-day camper and let's pack it up. 40 years, okay? Uh, but did they have a place to meet with God? Did they have a place that church could happen? Yeah. I mean, they, most of them didn't actually have access to it, but the priest did, and so it was a mobile tent. It was kind of, I guess if you're thinking of a church start, if you've ever been a part of that, you have to, you have to unpack every day. So they had that going on. Okay. So, so they had food, although it was the same food every single day. Let me ask you, they had food, but did they have a feast? There was no feast. They had food, but they didn't have a feast. They had a roof over their head, but did they have a home? No, they didn't have a home. And, and here's, what I'm, here's what I'm saying. Like, like they, they were, their needs were met, but they, did, they were not experiencing abundance in the wilderness. Would you guys agree? Okay, you guys would agree. So last week, we, we began to talk about why, some of the reasons why we believe God is calling us to build a new facility. And one of the major regions is we just talked about space and, and worship space. And I know you can look around and it doesn't look like it today. Although I, I would tell you that there were an additional 80-something people here at 830. And so we realized pretty early that, that we had run out of space for people to sit because we averaged out uh, 24 inches is right here on me. And at 24 inches, we, can all, we max out at 257 people, take 80% of that, 
And that's about how many people show up comfortably. And so we kind of had this problem. So anyway, so, so space was an issue. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to talk to you about the limitations of our current facility. But, but hear me, I, I want to do it with, with this banner statement. We are so thankful for God's current provision. Okay, so the Israelites, God still provided. He could have removed his hand. He did not because even when we're faithless, God is faithful. Amen. Thank you for Jesus. Okay, so, so we are so thankful for this current facility. We are so thankful for God's provision. So this is not like a complaint party, but, but we realize, we, especially like worship space and other areas of church. So I'm going to list some of the limits uh, of our current facility. That's all I'm going to do uh, currently, okay? And so some of the limitations. So um, let's start with sanctuary size. So again, we can only see max, max is about 257 people in this room at any given time. Okay, so that, 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 that's a limiting factor. Um, we've got a meal afterwards, and I want to invite you to go back. And you know what? There's enough of you here that most of you can get in, although we really seat a little over 100, so probably 20 of you have to eat in the hallway. Okay, but it will make it work. You just come on in. We'll cram you in. Uh, but our fellowship hall, lacking space again. Uh, not, not really enough place. Um, we, we've, we've said here, limitation-wise, we don't have any place for us to just fellowship and to congregate after service. When service is done, like you kind of go out. That's all you can do is leave the same. There's, there's no hallway. There's no place to go to that we can point everybody. There's no place to sit and talk with families after church. You kind of got to go, unfortunately, because um, this building, when it was built, it was just this building. All that stuff is addition, okay? So it wasn't built with those things in mind. Now, newer churches, they're finding that their hallways, their corridors, are actually places that more ministry happens sometimes than in classrooms. And it's not that classrooms aren't teaching well. It's just this is where life happens, and we get to meet people, and, and our kids get to play together, and, and we get to talk about life and, and, and do things. And so we don't have any of that um, currently. Uh, right now, we have no um, easily accessible Sunday school space. We don't have any more first-floor Sunday school space available in our current facility. It's all taken, including we're, we're using a white building across uh, the way here. Uh, we're using our library uh, currently as a Sunday school space. We're using our fellowship hall as a Sunday school space. We have no open Sunday school space available. We do have some upstairs, but again, they're not easily uh, accessible. Our children's areas here, again, just limitations. And we don't have a place for children to gather uh, for a large group meeting. Um, so Kingdom Kids currently, they use our youth Sunday school class. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we, we invade their space. In fact, we kind of had to repaint it and decorate in the back of your Sunday school room is for kids, not for youth. But it's what we have to do because it's where we are. And so we have to do that. So youth on Wednesdays, they meet in here. We talk about our children's ministries. We do have a check-in system with, with, you know, you check the back and then we check you when you come pick up your kids. But it's not nearly as secure as we want it to be. Okay, and, and, and so, so again, we've just got some lacking things. Um, we don't have safe access to a playground here. We have a playground. My kids love the playground. But the only time like, to come to the playground, I've got I to hold their hand, walk across a parking lot because people back in, especially Wednesday nights, oh, my gosh, it's crazy because, because the way our parking lot's designed and you have to walk across a busy parking lot to try to get to a playground. We're not ADA compliant. Um, we can get wheelchairs in and out, but we do have some ramps and some ability, but we're grandfathered and, and, and we're just not. Uh, to, the, the cost to, to make this ADA compliant would be uh, very difficult. We don't have a, a drop-off place. Uh, there's no like covered parking here, so if it's raining or if somebody that needs assistance, there's, there's no place for them to do that here. And then um, finally, we have a kitchen here, and we have some good food cranking out of there, but it's not a commercial kitchen. If you've ever cooked uh, here for... Who's done dishes here in our church? You've had to do dishes here. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, not awesome. There's no dishwasher. There's no garbage disposal. So at some point, you're having to reach in the drain. Everybody, who has had to reach in the drain at First Baptist Church in the kitchen? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that list, by the way, I did not come up with that. You guys came up with that when we had our town hall meeting. You guys actually wrote on paper in small groups. You talked about all the things you would like to see in a new facility, and this was your list. So let me tell you how this applies, and we we, we got to get out of here. So um, let's start with the um, sanctuary space here. By the way, this is kind of your entrance uh, into the building. You see it over there, kind of the covered drive. And so as you enter in, this is your sanctuary space. That sanctuary seats 600 people, max capacity. Now, that's not to say it'll always be set up for 600 people, but, but it has the ability to seat 600 people, not 257. So more than double what we could currently do. Um, now, fellowship space. Our fellowship hall seats how many? About 100, okay? So uh, around round tables, and you see that in some of the drawings there. There's some round tables. Around round tables in that space, uh, it's a multi-purpose space, we would be able to break down, put up tables, and we could feed 400 people right there in that room. Around tables. Eight people sitting around a table. That's not to mention the hallway, which we could actually bleed out into that hallway and do stuff. Speaking of the hallway, again, we don't have any place to currently uh, gather, but we've designed this building kind of around this hallway. And I know that sounds crazy, but it is really important to us. That hallway is 30 feet wide. It's called a foyer is what it says on there. It is 30 feet wide and it is 165 feet long. It is like Main Street. It is a place designed, not just where we can check in children, those kind of things, but it literally designed where we'll have seating along one side. You'll still have 20-foot hallways that you can walk down. And it's a place to gather and to do life, to sit with friends, to talk, to hang out after church, before church. That's the goal is to do life together. So it's a huge part of our lifeblood. Um, all of this, you'll notice, it's one story. All of it. Everything is ADA compliant. Everything is easily accessible for, for, for any, anything from people that have special needs to just folks that are having trouble getting around. We've got a few knee replacements around here and new hips floating in. And, and there are some days that it's just you can't do stairs. And so, man, this is, this is easy space. We've got uh, our, our children's space up here at the top. You'll see offices on top. The rest of that wing is all kids' space. The rest of that wing, from everything from nursery to, uh, to, to our, our whole children's area, all of it is um, safe check-in. All of it has that ability to lock down so that nobody could come and, and, and grab a kid in any way. Uh, out of those preschool rooms, they lead out to a preschool playground. You go through the rooms to get out to a fenced-in playground that's, again, completely safe, completely secure for your kids. Your children's area, when you walk down the hall, has a huge, large meeting room so that the kids can have a worship time, they can have a Wednesday night service, and when it's done, they can still break up into small groups and go to classrooms. They even have their own bathrooms so they don't have to wander across the church and, and be in some place where they're not secure. You guys following me? So it, it, we, we put a, a, a huge point of emphasis there. We've got adults Sunday school classes to, um, we've got enough adult Sunday school classes to handle every adult uh, that goes to Sunday school and then some currently. Plus that huge corridor, we envision some kind of informal Sunday school classes with people that like to sit around and drink coffee and talk about Jesus. And uh, of course, there'll be a coffee bar uh, there by our kitchen. Um, Our youth have a place that is just their own, that they can have their own worship service that we can have. I want to say, didn't we say up to 150 kids or so uh, that can be in that youth room just, just on their own, to worship God on their own, that they don't have to take over the sanctuary. Now, we have more than 150 kids. I'm telling you right now, they can have the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, right? I mean, come on and bring it. We got more than 150 kids. Um, Think about fifth quarters after the football game when kids get to walk from the high school, right, to our campus, right? Think about aftercare 
with Nidig Elementary and families that are having trouble paying. Think about the ministry when we could just have kids and we could just pick them up and bring them right over to our facility and we could help them out after school. Okay, we've got those things. Um, uh, covered drive, you betcha, right? Covered drive, people that was on the list, man, we've got to have a covered drive. Boy, do we have a covered drive for you. It's nice and wide. We can fit cards in there, get you in and out. It's a huge deal. And, of course, we have a commercial kitchen. Dishwasher, it's required, okay? Okay? Now, listen, what I'm saying to you What I'm saying to you is we believe it's not that this place isn't good. This place is a blessing to us. We believe God has something better for us. Just That's what he had for his children. He provided for them in the wilderness. They were there. But he said, I've got something even better in mind for you. And that's what we believe. And guys, that's to say nothing about location. Okay, So this is a map. It's kind of hard to see. But very briefly, location uh, on this map right here. So that little church symbol is where the new campus would be. Right above it, it's hard to see, but it says Elgin High School. Right below it says Nidig Elementary. All of those green blocks, that's where current homes already are. Already current homes there. The blue block is uh, of, of somebody that we know already has a master plan for a new community right behind Nidig Elementary. And then what I'm going to say to you, what I, what I can't, like, we, it's not official on record, but I'm just going to tell you right now, all of that property we know, we know is for sale, and we know in some instances there are already developers that are in the process of making offers. What I'm saying is that, that, that church building is going to be surrounded by homes. And what do we see in all of that? We see potential fruit, not, not, not just people. We see the potential to have that much more of an impact on families here in Elgin to share the love of Christ, to bring them into our multi-ethnic, multi-generational church where we get to love them and we get to teach them how to love God, how to love people, and how to do something every day that makes a difference in somebody else's life. That's the goal. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So, abundant life, potential. What does that mean for us? Okay, let's do this. We're going to close. I'm going to close uh, with a prayer. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Allen, and here's what I'm going to ask you to pray for. First and foremost, guys, I, I, I'd love for you to pray about buildings and where we're headed and all that kind of stuff, but I've I got to be honest, none of that means a hill of beans if you're not where you need to be. So first and foremost, we need to pray about ourselves. Are we experiencing abundance? Okay. So uh, there's a little slide here I want you to be thinking about. This is Jesus speaking about his goal for our lives. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that you're fruitful. Abundant fruit. This, this, This is to God's glory. And so the question that we begin to ask, God, am I experiencing abundance? God, am I glorifying you with everything that I do? Right? And if the answer is no, if the answer is like, no, I've kind of been wandering through the wilderness, and the call is just to come home and, and to literally get closer to Jesus, to start following him closer again. So I, I start with you right there. And then the second thing, but this little phase, we'll ask you to actually pray for the church. Okay? Would you pray for us? Are we experiencing abundance right now? Everything that God has for us. Did you know that there's a huge segment of Elgin, Texas that has no idea where our current facility is located? I meet them all the time. I meet them at HEB. I I meet them, uh, you know, they live out in Elm Creek. They don't even know where downtown is. And you can say shame on you. You can. Or you can say, uh, you know, all the time, hey, man, why don't you come to church with me? They say, oh, awesome. Where's your church? I'm at First Baptist. Where is that? I said, you know, we're right across from the fire station. Where's the fire station? No clue. Because that's not their life. But you know what? People do know where the high school is. That's where all those crazy people drive on Friday nights and watch a game, and then it takes, you know, six hours to get out. That's the place. Okay? 
So we want to be a place, we're just saying, we, we want to be a place that we are focused on the fruit. That we're focused on seeing lives change, okay? Again, we're, we're, we're so blessed by this facility, but we want to correct the things, the limitations that we see here now. We feel like God's been the one that showed them to us. Now we want to correct them. We want to get them right because we want to bring even more glory to God, okay? So right here where you are, bow your heads. Let's start with us first, okay? Just, just begin to pray with me. A very simple prayer, okay? God, am I experiencing abundance in my life right now? God, am I so full of you? Am I so full of the fruit of your spirit that life can throw anything my way and I'm unhindered? And if the answer to that is no, then I just want you to say this to God, okay? It's a very simple prayer. Jesus, help me follow you closer. Jesus, help me follow you closer. Now, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor because you're here this morning. Would you just take a moment and would you pray for our church? And again, would you just pray this prayer? God, are we experiencing abundance here? If that answer is no, say, God, would you help us follow you closer? God, we need to hear from you. This isn't us. We need to hear from you. Please, please, please. God, we want to bring you glory. Would you be glorified in us? Would you be glorified in this place as we seek to follow you, to keep in step with you? God, no more excuses. No more bad histories. No more lack of faith. We want to be known as followers that choose to live and to walk and to believe in you for abundant fruit, for abundant life, for better things. God, let that be said of us. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Friend, I... uh, I'm going to tell you, I know what it feels like, okay? So, so just, if we can be honest, and we're going to let down the veil. I did some premarital counseling earlier. One of the guys, was, one of the parties Catholic, and we talked about, you know, that separation. Sometimes the priest is up here, and the people are down here. They're separated, okay? No separation here. I'm one of you. I get it. The wilderness stinks, man, right? I mean, it stinks. And you know it. You know it if, if you're in it. I mean, you, we, I know we try to put on our good face. We act like, oh, everything in my life is fine. It's, it's, it's often not. But you know the answer. The answer isn't pull myself up by my bootstraps. That's not my answer. The answer always comes back to this. Am I following Jesus? If I'm not spending time with him, if I'm not in his word, if I'm not pursuing him, life is going to get to me. Right? Right? But if I am, if I am following him right in his footsteps, there is nothing that life can throw my way that will faze me because in him I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That is the life that God has for each of us.